When you hear today's episode, if you don't literally come away thinking, I don't have one problem, one worry, one thing that's not right in my world, I don't know what we can show you that won't do this. I really urge you to tune in today when you hear from Shore Community Services and really put in perspective for all of us how fortunate and lucky we are and everybody needs that reminder. I'm excited to share this episode with you. Thank you so much for the idea to have us out to Shore Community Services today. That was so special. Um, would you give our listeners a little bit about how that fabulous organization got started? Absolutely. So 71 years ago, my grandmother started Shore in her basement. Um, she started it because my aunt was diagnosed with microcephalia, um, which meant that she was severely intellectually disabled. And the doctors told her to take take her to an institution. And my grandmother said, absolutely not. I'm a college educated woman and I'm a teacher, so I'm going to teach her myself. And word caught on in Evanston. And so the school grew and it grew out of her basement into a church. And now it's in multiple training centers 71 years later. So what a massive legacy to live with to almost feel as if, um, you know, boy, am I doing enough good when you have close, you know, family members, your grandmother, who you grew up with, and I know was so impactful in your life, doing something that was so monumentally different at the time, not run by women at the time, and has a legacy that's 71 years old. That's pretty incredible. Tell us what role you're taking on next. I got involved in the board a couple years ago and really saw the need for change. Um, It's kind of My background is in leadership and change management and um, looked at it and went, we're doing the same things over and over again. And it's kind of time for us to move this forward if we want to continue on for another 70 years. And I don't really think that I appreciated all that my grandmother did at the time when I was younger. She was just grandma. And now I look back and go, wow, she was really a trailblazer. And so what am I going to do to live up to her legacy? And so I will be starting on as board president um, in June. So I'm kind of working my way on the board right now. I'm vice president of the board and working very closely with the current board president. And um, we're kind of changing things up a little bit, um, getting people more engaged and getting more young blood into the culture. Okay, so you want to talk, let's talk about the numbers because uh, the old uh, no margin, no mission. Um, Walk me through your operating budget just at a high level. Okay, so we have a budget of seven million. Um, right now, the the bottom line is we're a little underwater, not a ton, but a little underwater. And we're looking at it more of a business, taking more of a business strategy to the organization rather than a nonprofit. To okay, the- so let me walk you through this. I think if I heard the numbers right, seven million operating budget in 80%, we'll just use round numbers, 80% is subsidized by the government. Correct. Okay. So that leaves us with about a million four, and we're just doing round math here, which is about, we'll just call it $100,000 a month that you've got to bridge the gap on. And the way, as I understand it, in a 501c, you bridge that gap is through grants or donations. Are there any other ways you can bridge the gap? Those are the big two. Okay. 
Um, so you basically have $100,000 a month or $50,000 a week or $10,000 a day or $1,250 per hour that your board and your board and your president need to kind of be chipping away at. You can see why it's a little bit stressful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Kind of daunting, but if you really break it down like that, you, let's think about it in terms of business. So when you build a budget in our business, we think about um, our whale accounts. Are there any big donors? And I was always taught that the first check that the person writing a check gives is not their best check. So are there any donors you have or families or family foundation that are present or not present that you could go back out to as the new board president and make a different pitch that would allow you to bridge that gap faster? It's just something to think about. The next thing is, you know, you can get the old um, $10 from, you know, I'll do the math, 10,000 people or $100 from 1,000 people or look at it in a way where, you know, how are you really breaking that budget down? No different than our business where we focus on the 80-20 rule. You know, 80% mm -hmm. of our revenue comes from 20% of our customers. So why couldn't that work in 501C? Does 80% of that you know, million uh, four number. Could that come from 20% of the donors? It could. Do you have any big guns that through the right nurturing, the right um, relationship development, going to them and asking them for their ideas about how, you know, I look at this so simplistically and I don't mean to make it simple, but a lot of the ways we've always grown our companies is by going to our customers and asking them, what would it look like if their biggest problem was solved? And I think many of these family foundations have the same issue. They've got a lot of money to deploy, but they want to attach it back to things that are meaningful to them, that are going to provide value, that they're good to talk about, that they feel good about. They've earned a lot of money or amassed a lot of money, whatever, however they got this money, they want to deploy it onto things. And Shore is doing so many good things. In my opinion, it's like, you may not be marketing all that good enough. I would agree with that assessment. We do have a couple of family foundations that are very loyal and contribute every year and every bit of it is appreciated. What we need to do is branch out more. Um, we need to get more visibility and show more people what we're doing, the good that we're doing, what we're employing, you know, especially as children age out of the system. So, you know, what do you do with your child once they've hit, I believe 19 is the cutoff. Once they've hit 19, what do you do with your child? Um, and that's why we're focused on job training and focused on, you know, really giving a community. And, you know, I, I start with, my, my grandmother started this out of a labor of love and it's continued with a labor of love. If you talk to any of the associates within the organization, they're there because they love the clients. They're not there to make a million dollars. They're there because they truly love their jobs. They go home and they feel fulfilled. So how do we get that message across to the masses that you could feel just as good by donating? You know, I think that it's what you just said so important because in a way, like I've known you for 30 years and the only time I've ever heard about Shore is through you. And, and that's a missed opportunity for the organization. And when you, I know you're reinventing and retooling and all that, but you have two and a half people for marketing at your company. 
which I think is pretty robust, really, when you think of a small organization. But are they doing the right marketing? So is it relevant in today's term? And what's the marketing plan look like? So, you know, maybe a quarter of their job is to know about everything about these family foundations. You know, when are their birthdays? When are their anniversaries? When are we sending them cards? Things that are important to them. You know, just that ongoing relationship management, which takes somebody focused on it. Um, I think then it's a social media play. Like, is this company have you hit the social media button? Look, we were there today and the stories and the passion from your long tenured employees, which was amazing, 25 years, unheard of, 30 years. I mean, those are great Mm -hmm. companies when you have people there a long time. But do they recognize, you know, and I get on you a lot about this, that, you know, a lot of times I think you're quick to say, like, I'm not in sales. You are in sales. Every person at every company, no matter what the role, is responsible for business development. It doesn't look like what I do, which is go to dinners and plant seeds all day. But are you sending your customers, your customers and your constituents, you know, birthday cards and texts and responding on their social media? There's so many ways that are actually so much easier than they were 30 years ago for us to touch our, you know, important people. So I would really have you think about the marketing. That's two and a half employees. I felt like it was really, really generous in a company of that size. But are they doing the right stuff? Meredith, thank you. What an opportunity. We're so excited that uh, you had this idea to tell the story. And guys, now um, I'm going to do something we haven't done before. We're going to go over to shore and we're actually going to walk through their facility and see the people and they're going to tell the story best, really how I can help Meredith brainstorm and continue to be involved as she goes down this journey and Alexis and really um, get all of you to see firsthand what this fabulous place is about and see how you can get involved because you know what? There's nothing more important than all of us being grateful, giving back, and this is a wonderful opportunity at shorecommunityservices.org to get involved. Thank you so much for having the Lady Boss Podcast over to Shore today. Alexis, thank you so much for having us here. What a special way to celebrate a special day. Um, I feel uh, almost emotional with just seeing uh, all these stories. So you are in charge of a 71-year-old business company, uh, Shore Training, and um, we are going to hear so much about it, but I want you to just tell me, seven years ago when you took the job as CEO, what attracted you to this place? Well, Shore had a wonderful reputation in the community and also I just connected with uh, the whole story and how the organization was founded Um, and Lois Lloyd who is the founder of Shore 71 years ago she was a pioneer doing something that no one was doing and definitely not a woman doing at that time and I just saw her as this source of inspiration and everything came out of that. You're a source of inspiration. I mean, I think when I've heard more about the story and how much you've had to pivot this business to really stay relevant, that to me is why I want the Lady Boss podcast and the listeners to really help you expose the story that 
yes, you're doing amazing work, and we're going to talk about that. And yes, you are uh, subsidized by partially by the government and the state, um, and you have donors that are so important to the Absolutely. mission. But what I don't think a lot of people take into consideration is that there, without without margin, there is no mission. So, in your words, tell me, as CEO of this business, what are some of the real hurdles that you have to get by financially to keep this whole show running? I think the biggest is, um, if you think of a business that um, you set your prices uh, based upon a number of costs, and you set your prices to cover your expenses, well, our prices are set by the state of Illinois, and those prices do not reflect what it really takes to run the organization. There's a gap. And that gap, we have to fill and actually, in some ways, it's a very joyous thing because we get to meet some wonderful people. And that's our donors. Yeah. That's our business partners in the community. That's some of the special types of contracts that we do take in either the local, state, or even at a federal level. But those things also give us that excitement of doing and working with people who want to do good, who want to do things in the community. And so it's exciting to be a part of that. But I'm like, I mean, every business has competition and, and you have competition for the money that is out there. You know, like, look, I'm here today. I definitely want to write a check. But not everybody gets to come to this place, see this and experience this. So you're a chief salesperson. You have to get out. But how do you tell the story of what you're doing here and what we're going to see today so that myself as a donor and everybody you come into contact to vote with the dollars of, look, I heard that, you know, and I need to give to Shore. That, what is your secret sauce to getting that money? I think we, we try to really balance it. We run our organization very tight. We don't waste a dime. Uh, we make sure that every dollar that we get in the door, whether it's through our government contracts or through donations or grants, that we are using it absolutely to the best return on that. Uh, but we also want to have a family, caring, loving environment. And you can have both. And I think the, the family basis of how Shore was founded uh, gives us that so that we have a very well-run organization, but we also have a caring one, one that's a family and one that, compared to most others in the industry, our staff and our clients don't particularly like to leave. We, most of our staff have been here 20, 25, even 30 years, which is highly unusual in our sure. field. Sure. And I think it's that because we have that combination of caring and fiscal responsibility and keeping that, both of those, the heart and the uh, dollars uh, in mind. You know, Alexis, every business has to continue to remain relevant. And sometimes the outside forces are so fast and furious that you're like changing and changing. I feel like you're just in the midst of this crazy pivot of this 71-year business, which was very family-focused, but to stay relevant and be around for another 71 years, you've got to do some things different. Can you tell me, like, two things that maybe are really at the top of your mind to take you in the path forward? Well, one of the big driving, changing issues here in Illinois for disabilities is that the um, there's a law that's come into effect called a settings rule or the Olmstead Act, and that's changed the way we operate and the way all organizations like ours operate. And it's a good change, but change can be uh, a, a little bit uh, daunting at first, but it's something that we faced it, 
we looked at it as an opportunity to really do some great things, to change things that we've always wanted to change, to really take those big steps uh, to do exciting things, to do things that will bring more attention to our program so that we're the program families and individuals choose that they want to be. How do you go about this budget that you have for um, donations uh, or grants or the gap? So the way I understand it, you've got an operating budget of about $7 million. These are all sort of roundhouses. And then there's a $2 million deficit. Let's just, you know, for fast math, call it $2 million. Uh, that's the delta between what your business needs to operate and what you get in from the, the funding of the governments. How do you, like, put that into a bite-sized pieces every day when you come to work? I think we have to that reinventing yourself and we had to look at what we have to offer in a in a different way and um, and how we can we knew the things that we were doing well but no one else really did so we knew we needed to promote and uh, bring attention to the programs that the things that we're offering and the opportunities that we can provide individuals so that they can realize their dreams and the things that they want to accomplish so that we wrap around the individual as opposed to uh, just offering a straight out program. I'd come to work knowing I got $180,000 a month I have to raise which is $45,000 a week or $9,000 a day or $1,000 an hour. Well, I'm really feeling panicky, but go ahead what you're saying. That, but go I'm ahead. not trying That's to make you right. nervous. I'm no, trying right. to understand as like the CEO in, in a business like this where you've also got the activity and the programming and you've got to run the business, who's the chief salesperson that gets that done? It's a big number. Well, that chief salesperson is me. Okay. However, as any great sales team, the, the emphasis is on team. Yeah. And so for me, I have a staff of our development and fundraising and marketing uh, staff, very small. It's actually two and a half people. Uh, but I also have a board of directors that they're volunteer, but they're very much about promoting our mission and reaching out to their networks of people and introducing us to other opportunities and that's how we build those relationships and the fundraising support. So you have your target on any big whales, anybody that could really, you know, knock that budget out of the park? Well, you know, I kind of... Uh, I mean, you have to name what is it. Yeah. Is that a strategy, you know, going after family foundations or somebody with a, who could write you a really large check and then you could kind of sit back and reimagine what's next? You know, I actually don't use that approach. I have found that when I talk to people and listen, more than talk, about what they want to do and what they'd like to see happen and what they'd like to be a part of and what excites them, my brain is going as to how I can uh, fit what we're doing and what we're trying to accomplish in with their vision. So then we have a shared vision. That's what makes fundraising more exciting and more fulfilling than just sales because yeah. if you do it right everybody gets their vision. And, it, and it's stickier because then they'll they'll be attached to the organization like stickier. stickier. <laughs> You've got to do this work every year. 
if you right. don't get a check from, if you don't have a check today from, you know, our family and then we don't write it again next year, well, you got to go out and tell the story again to get that again. So when we all have sticky clients, we're more important to them. We understand what they want. We understand their personal values, their mission, their family's goals. Then you can kind of cement that and know, count on it in, in a way uh, that that'll be business that's reoccurring. And that in the context of business is so important that we all have reoccurring business because right. if we have to reinvent it every year, it, it's like creating 2,000 right. special little projects. It's it, it's a lot. And you know, it's it's really like in any business, it's about relationships. For sure. And building those relationships and it's sharing. So if you were in a friendship and that person only just kept asking you for money, it's like, what kind of friendship is that? Right. Right. Uh, so we recognize all the talents and uh, everything that our donors bring, and we want to recognize that as well and talk with them about um, having them share that expertise with us and so that we're truly building a relationship and um, so that lasts over decades. And we have that. We have donors that have been with us for 30, 40, 50, that's 60 incredible. years. And so, and that's what that comes from uh, in any long-term relationship, a marriage, yeah. a friendship, is that you're listening to each other and you're finding a way to have a shared vision 100%. and supporting each other's vision. And when you do that right, and we try to do that right, um, that's how that works. So I'm actually excited that this, some of the change in legislation puts me where I get to talk to more people who want to make a difference in the world. So Alexis, day to day, what does, um, what are you preparing people for? Well, in this facility, in this program here, we are preparing our individuals to work in the community. And many of them already have jobs, but preparing them on writing a job application, um, might even be how to catch the bus. Mm, to yep. any mass transit, yep. all the things that, the steps that we may not think of with sure. you, that we do automatically to help them to be able to adapt and work in community organizations. And businesses today, everyone's saying they can't hire enough people. Yep. And now is the time, if there ever was a time for businesses to open their mind and say, what does that good employee look like? Right. And many of our, the businesses that we've partnered with have just said, the, the individuals they've hired from Shore that received their training at Shore, they were so wonderful, so happy to get their job, so excited to go to work every day. When's the last time you saw that? <laughs> and so, um, and they're, they're one's a printing company, some restaurants, some hotels, uh, just a wide range of businesses. But when they stop to think, wait a minute, am I eliminating a group of people that could be good employees? And we just want them to open their mind and consider the options that Shore can provide them. Such a good story. Like the pandemic actually allowed you to use where lots of people went out of the workforce, that story to say, look, I've got people. I can offer you people. And it's so great for your clients who obviously want to get out and do more um, after their training here. That's really, um, that to me is the kind of, pivot brain that a CEO has to have in today's world. What's the opportunity? Opportunity is there aren't enough employees out there and not everything can be run by a machine. 
um, and how do I bridge these employees that may not have looked like, been like, talked like, had the skills, how do I bridge those skills to get them into the workforce so they're more fulfilled? One of the things that this employer shared is that sometimes it was hard to keep people in positions that had a lot of repetition. People got bored, they didn't want to do that. Whereas our clients like that consistency. consistency. Many of them do yep. uh, because it's consistent and it helps them to feel more comfortable. So they stay in those jobs longer. And one study showed five times longer. So those are the kinds of things that uh, employers should think about when they have open positions and who might be the best person to fill it. What kind of skills are they getting in this room? Really basic. Uh, a lot of times they're referred to as soft skills. Okay. If you can't find things, if you're uh, not unsure on how to do something, how to ask for additional help. Um, just a lot of the things that we take for we granted, take for granted. That absolutely we, uh, know of, just even how to make sure that you're on time to work sure. every day. And, well, um, you're early. You're teaching them to be earlier. Actually, we're teaching them to be okay, early. Good. Absolutely. we got to employ the Lombardi skills. Right, right. <laughs> I've heard that one. Um, and then also um, mass transit and how they're going to take it, how they'll use different equipment. Uh, even the simple sign in and sign out, okay. uh, clocking in and clocking out, um, just your. So your basic, you know, you know, EQ soft skills that you need yes. to, you know, we all think that you need the skill of whatever you're doing at work, whether it's, you know, shooting with the camera. But yeah, you had to get there. You had to get there on time. You had to confirm the appointment. You had to take the bus, get out of bed. I mean, right. we take, I take for granted. And hearing and seeing all of this today, there's so much more to what you're doing and all the good you're doing. Um, if you look forward five years from now and you get, um, you know, your building refresh in place, what, what's your goal of how many, you go from 40 to how many people would you like to be serving? I would see, in this building on average, because it's some work yeah. out in the community certain days. We have about 55, 60 of the program. And you ideally want to get like to 100? I'd like to see us at more like 200, but 200. they're not here. Yeah. We're helping them because they're getting out and getting jobs in the community more. And we do get compensated when we help our individuals find the right job oh, nice. with the right employer. So we have an incentive to do that as well, but we want that for them because they want that. Everyone Absolutely. wants to be able to contribute, to be responsible, to have their own money. A lot of the basic things that you might think of as uh, young adults that they want to have that level of independence. We want to help them be even more independent and as new technologies, new new training opportunities okay. come. So I want to just that. summarize. Um, somebody that, a CEO that wants to 400 times their business, love that, talk about ambitious, yeah. um, serve um, people in the future and look forward for the next 70 years. Where can our guests contribute because I think people are going to hear this, going to want to know more and want to get involved. Tell me where you can contribute. Yes, um, Shore Community Services is the name of the full organization. We do offer a, a wide range of services, including residential. We provide homes as well. Okay. Um, but the best place to go is to our website. It's www.shoreservices.org. Also, you could call directly our phone number and anybody to speak to. They Anybody will take help your you. money. We'll take, you will <laughs> take your donation. It's 847-982-2030. 
and um, we will be able to help you that way and you can do it over the phone. We do take cash, credit card, stock, uh, donor advice funds, um, pretty much every way that you can think of to give and anything that you'd like to donate, property, um, whatever it is, um, we'd be happy to work with you to receive that donation. Well, that's the flexibility I've seen today. I think you're running an amazing organization and uh, talk about inspiring leadership. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, thanks a lot, oh, What Courtney. an awesome day. <laughs> yes, it was. Thank you.